Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Uh, just uh, going over to the flagship message board at Horns 24-7. I went there during the break. Um... Somebody asked about Caleb Love, the North Carolina transfer. What are the chances he goes to Texas? It's to be determined on that. I do know Texas, like we talked about yesterday, Texas is pushing hard for Caleb Love at this point. Uh, Cam Spencer from Rutgers. who the, the intriguing thing about Caleb Love is he could potentially be a two-year player for you. Cam Spencer would be a grad transfer. Uh, they're still going to recruit Tyron Lawrence from Vanderbilt. I, I do think, depending on who you talk to, there's a there's a growing feeling that his decision is going to come down to either – going back to Vanderbilt or staying in the, in the draft, one of the two. So that's reading the tea leaves. That's kind of what I gather. So Texas is still going to recruit him, but those are kind of the three top guys. And then we mentioned, look, man, if and when Arthur Kaluma pulls his name out of the draft and he's in the transfer portal, uh, that would be a guy that I think Texas would be all over. I have every in, every reason to believe they would be all over him. Just being able to slide him into that Timmy Allen role I think would be really nice for this program. So but we'll keep you updated on Texas basketball uh, as uh, it's starting to wind down now. The uh, draft deadline to pull your name out of the draft and retain your college eligibility, that's next Wednesday, a yep. week from tomorrow. 31st, right? Yep, got until the 31st. So that's Dylan Mitchell, too. And I, I'm expecting at this point Dylan Mitchell to stay in the draft. I'm expecting that. That doesn't mean it's completely out of the question that he comes back to Texas. But that's I'm under the impression that that's kind of where things are trending right now, that he's more likely to stay in the draft than the he CAA to come back to Texas. Twitter account, you know, the agency, did you see that tweet they I put did. Out? So here's the deal. I, I looked into that because I think everybody initially jumped to conclusions. Well, he signed with an agent. He's gone. You can sign with representation. Okay. And still maintain your eligibility. There's just certain things that the agency can pay for that, you know, they, they can pay for for you. That There's some things you have to pay back. There's some things they can't pay for. It's a, it's a list of stuff. But, yes, you can have representation and still be eligible to come back to college. Okay. So that's the same thing. I mean, uh, the NCAA, it's funny. The NCAA is not going to call them agents. They're going to call them advisors. You can have somebody mm. advising you. Mm. Uh, you know, David Mulligetto is one of the super agents in the National Football League. Uh, David Mulligetto was B. John Robinson's advisor. So even though Bijan ended up signing with Clutch Sports, just by the way, did you see the pictures from? Everyone's like, well, was Bijan? Bijan's been in a bunch of these Lakers games. So two things: he's in. Uh, he's been in L.A. for the Panini rookie premiere. That's where they do the photo shoots for all the football cards and everything. So he's been out there doing stuff with Panini. And people are like, well, and he's hanging out with Adele. You forget, Bijan signed with Clutch Sports, mm-hmm. which Rich Paul is over Clutch Sports. Rich Paul is dating Adele, which is where that it looks really good, by the way. I do not disagree with you at all. Agree with you 100% there, Cam. Uh, Cam, I want to get your take on this because I'm just, I'm flabbergasted, man. I, I was looking at uh, Athlon Sports has released their uh, all the preseason All American teams. Dylan Gabriel, number one again. And their preseason All Big 12 teams. Well, they, well, then I guess there's two things. I wasn't going to get the quarterback, but they, they have a first, second, uh, third, and fourth team. Fourth team. For all Lord. conference. Yeah. That's a little, that's overkill, but, you know, it's Athlon's doing Content. everything. I'm not one to judge. Uh, their first team quarterback is Jalen Daniels at Kansas. I'm not going to necessarily disagree with that. 
And and I think he is the most important player to his team. Yes. You take Jalen Daniels true. off of Kansas, they're more likely just playing old Kansas. Jalen Daniels healthy, full go. Kansas is a different team. Dylan Gabriel is their second team quarterback. Quinn Ewers is their third team quarterback. Hmm. I don't know that I'd agree with that. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, when he was healthy last year, was good, but you could say the same thing about Quinn Ewers. Maybe Quinn struggled a little bit more, but if you're projecting out, I don't know. The, to me, I don't know if I'm projecting out. I just think the ceiling, I don't think, I know the ceiling with Quinn Ewers is higher than it is for Dylan Gabriel. Or are people just looking at what he did when healthy in that Jeff Levy offense? I think for Gabriel, it's still that hype from his first couple years at UCF where you saw what he could do, right? And that's kind of the expectation at Oklahoma. But I think Quinn Ewers has a much higher ceiling. But, you know, I'm not sure. I doubt Quinn is looking at the Athlon Sports. Uh, I don't think I would. But think I, Quinn I'm would fine care. with that because he's, he has something to prove and he knows that. And so that's what I'm counting on this season for Quinn Ewers in the next of his development. Jalen Daniels, I think you could argue he was the most exciting player in the Big 12 last year at quarterback wise. Uh, I think Bijan's the most <laughs> yeah. exciting player. But quarterback wise, he was he was the most fun to watch, I think, the entire season. Now, do I think he's the best quarterback? I would lean towards Quinn, but you know, I think that's because of Quinn's potential. Dylan Gabriel, I mean, yeah, the UCF years, but playing in a different conference, I mean, we kind of know what his ceiling is for Quinn. I don't think we know what his ceiling is, right? We don't yeah. know. And even for Jalen Daniels, like, can he redo what he did last year? It, it would be tough. Depends on if he's healthy or not, but you know, it's just preseason rankings, Jeff, so I'm not going to get too worked up over it. It's good it. fodder for us to talk about when yeah. there's nothing else to talk about right now. But other than that, it's it, it, you know, take it for whatever you feel it's worth. I, I'll tell you this with Kansas, though. I love their OC, man. And, and, and you know, Texas, Texas with Sark, Rod said this, and I agree with him. Like, Texas fans have an offense that they actually like and a play caller that they actually like and feel mm-hmm. like can be competent and do a good job, which very rarely happens as long as I've been following this program. It's never really happened, to be honest with you. Uh, but So I'm not saying that I would trade offensive coordinators if you're a Texas fan. I'm not saying you should want to trade offensive coordinators. But, man, I, I just, I'm a huge fan of what Andy Kotelnicki does at Kansas. Just yeah. the way they mix it up with formations and personnel groupings and motions and different play actions and mesh point actions. I, I just think Andy Kotelnicki is phenomenal. And then your 14 quarterback – uh, preseason All Big Twelve, according to Athlon Sports, is will don't call me anymore. Spill the pill, Howard, uh, leading K State. So that's another team that's going to be interesting to watch. We talk about Texas and, and Quinn needing to take a step to compensate for not having Bijan and Roshan. Dude, will Howard's going to take a step forward? You got to compensate with no more Deuce Vaughn at K State. He was such a big part, not just with the run game, man, with the pass game and everything else he brought to the table. Deuce Vaughn was a huge part of what K State did. So yeah, I mean, I. I'm with you, Cam. I would probably lean more Quinn over Dylan Gabriel, but it's a preseason rankings. It probably doesn't mean all that much. I'll say this, though. We talked about this last week, and we played the cut from Sark from the uh, Texas uh, Texas Fight Tour Stop in Houston. I'm just so intrigued by Quinn taking that next step that quarterbacks, that Sark said his second-year quarterbacks do, where now you're learning to come off reads. You're learning to anticipate. You're able to work through pre-snap better. You're able to work through post-snap better. Uh, you know, you're, you're able to get the ball where it's supposed to go. It's not just come off the first read and then panic and then, you know, whatever. Uh, learning to be an athlete, learning to scramble, just Quinn making those strides. If he does, I think there's no question this offense can be one of the best in the country, especially with the talent you've got at a wide receiver and you've got one of the best tight ends in the country in Jatavian Sanders. But I want to talk about the most underrated guy on this Texas team, I think by far, 
you got to go down, Cam, all the way to third team all Big 12. And again, in this Athlon Sports preseason uh, all Big 12 team, you got to go all the way down to the third team defense before you see Jade Barron pop up. Ooh. And if that's going to be the case with all these preseason publications, dude, at that point, Jade Barron is the most underrated defensive player in the conference at that point. Like, I don't think there's any question. Like, what do you have last year? Was it 10 and a half tackles for loss that he had last year? It's yeah. just some absurd number. He had three and a half in the TCU game alone because he was just blowing up screens. And that nickel position, it's one of those pressure point positions on defense. Texas calls it the star position, but it's one of those pressure point positions on defense where you better have a difference maker at that position. I just think we've seen him play corner. He's got ball skills. He's a good blitzer. He's a good tackler. He can cover guys. I just think for everything he does, Jade Barron, if this is where the rest of the country thinks, if this is what the rest of the country thinks about Jade Barron, he's the most underrated defensive player in the Big 12 Bar none. He was incredible last year. I think he was the best DB on the team last year. That that's a hot take, then I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the feedback on it. But I thought he was huge in the defense last year. I thought he was the most consistent player last year. And the half there you go. coming that's, back. That's the thing. He's most consistent. He's the most consistent guy in that secondary. Ryan Watts, I think, would be probably for me be second. Ryan Watts and Anthony Cook were both up yeah. there, but I think in terms of a guy that made splash plays on a consistent basis, no question it was Jade Barron. There hasn't been a lot of guys in the past few years where you can like you can count on them every game where you're not worried about this position or that position. I thought I thought that Barron was that guy last year, and even Ryan Watts. I think Ryan Watts played really well. And going into this year, now there's there's a couple guys where you think you can lean on, right? Watts, Gavin Holmes, Barron, and hopefully if uh, the if Jalen Catalan can stay healthy, that's another guy where you look at the defense and you're like, okay, I think there's something we can work with here. Whereas the last few springs, you know, it's like, okay, we still have a question mark here, here, here. Yes, they they could be good. What's the ceiling of this team? But there's also I think the floor for this year's team is a lot higher than it has yeah. been the last few years. I don't I know if you agree. agree with that. I agree. I think the floor I think the floor is eight wins in the regular season. Yeah. I mean if they if they if this team went seven and five, that would be a gross disappointment. Yeah. I think the floor is and when I my 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 and how I interpret floor is man, what is the what is the bare minimum of wins you can see this team getting to still have some redeeming quality to your season? I think it's eight. And the schedule is pretty favorable, I think. Yeah. Uh, DraftKings over-under for Texas this year is 9.5. If you were a betting man, Jeff. Gosh, man. You know, I I would probably go under because I'm thinking right at 9. Because, again, like I've talked about, my theme for 2023 is going to be, and it goes to this point that Stoner suggested uh, on the Specs text line. said, we decided we like Sark as a play caller, question mark. I'm not in that boat. I think that's a top three weakness on our team. What's the proof otherwise? I think play calling goes into game management, and I think that's where Sark has to grow. We've talked about that, right? Can can he give you the kind of schematic advantage? Can he give you the sideline advantage that you need to those four or five, you know, one possession, one score games that you're going to play this year because you play those every year, especially in this league? Can he give you the advantage to get you over the top more often than not? It's not to say you're going to win all your close games, but if you play four of them, can you go three and one in those games? Yeah, if you can do that, then your coach probably gave you a schematic advantage. And depending on what happens in Tuscaloosa, you're you know you're ten and two, and you're probably at that point playing for a conference championship in Arlington in early December. Uh, but that's the thing for me. So I would I would 
kind of take Stoner's point and what what you were talking about, Cam. That's where Sark has to grow. It's the game management aspect. It's you know th- that's why I asked him what I did. The growth for him of being the head coach and being the play caller on offense. You know, when you're just the offensive coordinator, you can be tunnel vision. You can be focused, man. When you're the head coach, you can be. You got to be cognizant of everything going on around you. But I think that's why Sark said getting a better feel for PK, getting a better feel for Jeff Banks, PK getting a better feel for his staff, being able to play complementary football. They were able to do that at times last year, where they tried in vain to do it in 2021, and it was it was almost counterproductive. Not almost, it was counterproductive to do it in 2021. They got closer to that last year, but that's another area where they've got to grow. So yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you on that. Removing uh, Alabama and Oklahoma. What is the toughest game on the Texas schedule? Is it at Iowa State in what what November? Give me the, give me the date on that. November eighteenth. That's the second to last game before the Tech game, which is the be- Friday before Thanksgiving home game. Man, I I would say so. Or I guess maybe TCU the week before, but I'm pretty sure TCU's entire football roster plays from SMU now. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I you know I would say the Iowa State game. Just from the standpoint of it's in mid to late November, tough to win there. It, it, it could could have you know it could be mid fifties and mm-hmm. sunny, or it could be They're all wearing their black uniforms. It could be in the teens and there's you know snow on the ground. I, I don't know. It just, who knows what the weather's going to do? And then it's Matt Campbell. I mean Matt, you, you Matt Campbell's one of those guys that plays in a ton of one score games, and some of them go his way, some of them don't. They're they're in just about every game. I mean you. You know, you got to look really study in Iowa Iowa State by the year results to find games where they really haven't been in the ball game, especially at home. I can think of one year they got blown out by Oklahoma State, and maybe there's a couple in there that I'm forgetting. But you go to Jack Trice Stadium in November. Everybody that follows this league knows that's not an easy game to go in there and win. It could be seven six like first quarter. Holly Rose on the sideline didn't report about how Hunter Deckers hated Texas growing up and how he wanted to beat him so bad. I, I could see that happening for sure. And yeah, and, and it's one of those – man, that's kind of an underrated crowd environment too. I really think it's underrated. I think it's the toughest to, to play in, right, well, outside of I, Oklahoma State. Because nobody talks about Ames, though, Cam. Yeah. Like when, when, you say, when you say rattle off the best environments, right, in the conference, like the toughest places to play, we don't know about Norman. I'll never know about Norman because yeah. we don't go there. But the two that immediately pop up are Lubbock and Stillwater. Yeah. Which they are tough, especially when those fan bases are. You know, we've seen it. You know, in my time on the beat, uh, Oklahoma State fans have been invested more years than Texas Tech fans have been invested. But you know, like last year when that crowd was into it, man, even though it was the middle of the day, that play it can be an intimidating place to play. You don't think of Ames and Iowa State being like that, but I've, man, I've been to Ames for night games, and it's it it gets loud. That crowd gets into it. It's I mean, it's a fifth. Like right around fifty thousand seat stadium, it can get it can get pretty raucous in there. And Texas hasn't won there in quite a bit because you had the uh, fourth and goal Sam Ellinger touchdown pass, which was one of the, his one of the most underrated Sam Ellinger oh, touch yeah, passes yeah. in his career, and then end up losing on the field goal to lose that game. But before that, I don't think Texas has won in Ames in twenty seventeen. I think was probably it? the last time. Yeah, because nineteen was the game you're talking about. Uh, twenty twenty one was the uh, that was the night of the Bo Davis. Uh, yeah. A bus Rant. incident, yeah. If you want to call it that, the Bo Davis bus deal. 